Well, Sir Mazzelli, I think if you view the ANC as a political party, then obviously uh, the country will come first and the party will come second and it's very likely the president will resign. But in, if you don't and you see it as I see it, which is really the ANC has just become nothing more than a syndicate of gangsters and which has openly said that the country comes second, the ANC comes first, it's very, uh, very unlikely that the president will resign and it's very likely that he will still be very much president of our country this time next year. Mike Newtons. Good morning, good morning, Sister Sevenzile, Frederick Sector. Sister Sevenzile, I think he's in Cape Town, the president, consulting with his family and also with the investors on the phone. But for them to come out of this one, they have done this before. They will come out and they will still continue leading. But as for the president, what has he done lately for us, for the people on the ground, except the 350 and the lockdown and the investor confidence summits and also the cutting of red tapes? I don't know where the red tape is, but for him to stay, to do what? All right. I keep sending your views on this issue. Fred asks he should stay to do what? Yesterday's ANC-NEC meeting at Nazareth, south of Johannesburg, was discussing was meant to discuss the future of President Cyril Ramaphosa, and it was adjourned soon after the sitting. Um, uh, the matter of co- the, the the meeting was going to look into the Palapala matter. The meeting will reconvene tomorrow, Sunday. President Ramaphosa did not attend uh, that NEC meeting yesterday. Our senior political reporter Ndebo Mokobo was in Nazareth yesterday and joins us now on the line. Ndebo, are we any wiser or, or clearer on why President Ramaphosa did not attend yesterday's meeting? Well, uh, good morning, Sir and good morning to the listeners. Well, there, there, there hasn't been anything communicated in terms of why, but we're told that at some point he was consulting. You remember that immediately after the report, the next day, he went out to consult. He was in Cape Town. He was consulting with his lawyers. He was con- mm-hmm. consulting with those who sympathized with him. Uh, but, but sometimes it, it's logic uh, that, I mean, as the national chairperson, uh, as the preside, presiding officer of the meeting, uh, maybe he might have decided that uh, the president should uh, be excused because the matter that would be deliberated upon it's the matter that concerns you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some NEC members view this as a snub. They feel disrespected, in fact, by um, a, a deployee of the party not not showing up for what what is, in fact, a, a crucial a, a crucial matter to be discussed. Yeah, um, is 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 this a, a prevailing view? I think around uh, the the NEC members, or or are they quite divided on this? They're very quite, uh, 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 pretty much divided on the matter because some people felt that uh, the president, the matter was all about him. So he, he, he was not supposed to have been in the meeting. But others felt that, I mean, the president is being protected, especially by uh, the, the national chairperson, because some people are even saying it seems uh, already they've got a foregone conclusion in terms of what should happen. Mm-hmm. Because you would recall that, I mean, we had the interview before the NEC meeting with the national chairperson, who said that yes. it would be a very disruptive to the country and chaotic for the president to resign. So he was not really for the president's resignation. And you recall, I mean, he's uh, someone who sits in the official, he's part of the, the, fourth, I mean, the top four officials, and he's influential in the ANC as the former secretary general and now the national chairperson and a very mm-hmm. close ally of President Ramaphosa. They work together at the National Union of Mine Workers. 
as well as Ino Kodongwana and, and, and Monty Kungubele. So those are the people who are really on the president's corner. And those who want the president uh, out, like the likes of Tony Ngeni, the likes of Maambe uh, Sala, those people, they, they feel that I mean, the president really snapped the, 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 the gathering, and that on its own shows disrespect that he's, uh, he thinks he's beyond or he's above uh, the organization. Mm-hmm. It, it was quite fascinating to to see yesterday in, in Debo how um, w- what would ordinarily be you know usual uh, communications protocol w- were just broken. Uh, different people were were, were speaking um, when media approached them, asking questions. What would have what would have perhaps been just a generic answer to say um, you know there there will be an announcement or there'll be a sense of a way forward. But in fact, you didn't see that people were giving their own views. In fact, the TG um, and, and, and the chair seemingly contradicting themselves again. Th- this is quite indicative, perhaps, of a centre not holding? Indeed. It, it clearly shows that at some point, uh, one colleague was saying uh, they, they need the day of the night to gain speed and smart and going used to come from one port as opposed to everyone communicating. You recall, I mean, uh, back in the days, even when it comes to the matter, when the ANC communicates on issues of the economy, there would be finance minister and the trade, trade and industry minister who all, always communicate on issues. But it, these days, everyone communicates as and when he pleases. And that on its own has really created a serious problem for the organization whereby it seems it's a free-for-all. If people are not happy, they express their unhappiness on the, on the media, and 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 that is on its own makes it very difficult for the uh, communications or the, the DIP to really mm-hmm. uh, uh, marshal everyone in terms of turning out information that pertains to the organisation. We understand in Debo that uh, the the officials um, will review the reports. They hadn't as yet. Then the NWC uh, will deliberate over it ahead, of course, of the NEC then meeting tomorrow. Yes, in fact, that, that should have been the process. That should have been the procedure. The meeting, I mean, firstly, the, it, it, was very, it was very embarrassing because, uh, uh, I mean, the protocol says if there's any report that affects the organization or especially the head of uh, the, the organization, it has to come to the officials. It has to be deliberated at the officials' level. And then an official will then send it to the NWC and then to the NEC. The NEC will give a final decision in terms of what direction to take. But it was very uh, interesting to see that. I mean, that, that report, no one knows anything about the report. If everyone read, read that report, you only uh, uh, read it. Uh, but but the, he, he can't say anything. It will be his personal view. Mm. What should have happened is that the, the, the officials would have seized themselves for the report and then send it to the NWC. The NWC will come up with a sort of a... a, a a, a, a direction to the NEC in terms of uh, 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 scheduling it for, um, for, 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 for program that it should be on the table at the next NEC meeting. But that didn't happen. Only the Secretary General, the Acting Secretary General, convinced the NEC and tells everyone that, in fact, on the agenda it would be this. Mm. But members of the NWC didn't know anything about it. They only uh, 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 told that the meeting is about the, the report when they get there.
Senior political reporter Ndebo Mukobo, let me thank you for your time. In a moment, I will be bringing in reaction uh, from uh, the ANC's Youth League, but let me uh, hear from you as well on our WhatsApp line. Good morning, Sebenzile Kambole. The president will never resign. Sebenzile, we need that guy to save this country. Criminals are out to take him out from the presidency. But hopefully so, there's people in the ANC who got a vision of this country, which is economy. So the president will save our economy, will never resign. Good morning, Dizak Matibula. Some comments here as well. Matota says, Mr. Matola Motaka said the ANC works as a collective. Why should Sir Ramaphosa fall alone when the whole ANC fails to address poverty and unemployment? And Deboho in Kukune says, Good morning, these ANC leaders are creating a mess for themselves. They can postpone their meetings. We care less about them, but Parliament won't postpone anything. Otherwise, opposition parties will chew them raw. Mr. Ramaphosa promised that he will, he will be transparent, so he must explain everything to us, please. That's Deboho uh, there in Kukune. Thank you for your views. Let me now bring in in Sizopila Mkize, national spokesperson for the ANC Youth League Task Team. Thank you very much, Sopila. Welcome to the Weekend View. Um, we've been asking our our listeners this this morning uh, whether they feel that the ANC is in crisis. I put the same question to you. Do you feel that uh, the party is in crisis? Uh, good morning to you, and uh, good morning to your listeners at home. Um, I, I do feel that. Um, uh, there is a bit of crisis that is looming in the AMC. I don't think that we are already at a stage where we can um, really panic and say uh, there, is a, there is a crisis because I believe that, uh, I still believe leaders of the ANC are going to be able to uh, do what is right. They are still going to be able to be tolerant amongst each other because I can tell you that some of our challenges is the fact that uh, we are going to a conference, of course. So uh, if you go to a conference, it becomes a season of madness where um, everyone is looking over their shoulder. Even if you are called for accountability, you think you are called to... Uh, to be chewed raw. Um, so I, I believe that uh, uh, tomorrow's NEC meeting, as much as one does not sit in the NEC meeting, but with our convenient coordinator sitting, I believe that uh, they will be able in the tomorrow's uh, NEC meeting to do what is right, to do what is the tradition of the ANC. It is quite disappointing uh, for a structure which is the highest decision-making body to collapse like it happened yesterday. It's really mm-hmm. quite disappointing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you view the president not showing up yesterday as, as a snub, as disrespect to the, uh, the NEC? I think the president was ill-advised. Uh, I don't think that he just chose really not to come uh, to an ANC NEC because the president has been, throughout the five years elected, he has been saying that accountability is important. He's been saying that he's willing to answer questions where it concerns his name. So I don't think that all of a sudden he can uh, run away from accountability. And I believe that uh, he was ill-advised uh, by whoever that has uh, advised the president not to attend the meeting. Because, look, a national executive committee is not a court of law where you need a lawyer present to speak on your behalf. 
a meeting of an organization, you need to be present and be able to answer questions to the same organization that deploys you to the presidency of the of the country, the same organization that elected you to be the president of the ANC. It's an accountability issue of which when the accountability has been done, questions have been answered, decisions may be taken uh, uh, late. I do not think where I'm standing that uh, the meeting was supposed to be a meeting that comes and say, hey, uh, and uh, we've taken a decision, you are wrong, you must go. I think it was a meeting that was supposed to be asking questions, analyzing the report from the independent panel, mm. uh, discuss it in depth, and then when accountability has happened, when the president has answered questions, then comrades who are sitting in the NEC can then take a decision from there whether or not uh, the president is still fit to hold office or whether or not they are, there is a penalty that they are giving the president. But it was supposed to happen yeah, in you, an organization. You, you say things are always supposed to happen like Cesar that. Cesar Pila, you say that uh, you, you feel the president was ill-advised. What does it say about him for taking poor advice? As you say, throughout throughout his tenure, he has uh, spoken about uh, about being a, a transparent um, leader, and and that in fact uh, um, he will take uh, the the right position when, when he has been fingered. But but here he is. Here now now you're saying he, he's since been ill advised. What does it say about him as the youth league? Um, do you still have confidence in him as as the leader of the party, given how how things have played out in the last 48 hours or so? Look, as the Institute League we have said months uh, ago, and uh, we expressed ourselves on uh, how we view Nazareth and what must happen in Nazareth. Now, let me tell you about being the, the, the ill-advisory of uh, the president. It's not the first time that the president is ill-advised and takes those advices, uh, which, uh, which uh, in my this, this line I'm about to say is definitely my personal view and not the view of the ANC, which in my view means that the president is indecisive. He cannot be able to take decisions that are going to save himself, save the country as well, but he listens to the voices that are, uh, are whispering uh, in his ears. And I do not think that, honestly, uh, that is where uh, we, we want to go for the next five years. Uh, we will be explaining how the president was ill-advised. I, I don't think that uh, for, for the betterment of the organization we, we are willing to do that. Cesar Pila Mkizeth, National Spokesperson of the ANC Youth League Task Team. Let me thank you for your time. You are listening to The Weekend View on SAFM. Good morning, Sebenzile. How are you today? It is very sad that we are now faced with uh, the same situation that uh, we were faced again with the former president, Jacob Zuma. You see, these presidents, they must learn that no matter how much power you have, you are still a citizen of the country. And when you break the law, uh, the law will come for you. You know, Mr. Ramaphosa must not wait for him to be embarrassed by the red barrette in parliament. And he must just resign, you know, peacefully let him do his business peacefully there in Pala Pala. 
and leave South Africa to someone who cares for it. Thank you. Morning, Lionel from Joburg. Whatever happened to the word collective responsibility? That was the buzzword during Nkandla to protect Zuma. Now, why all of a sudden is that word not being used by the RIT faction? Ngani says, we missed FIFA matches yesterday because of ESCOM-related problems. We missed the encounter between Ghana and Ecuador. Uh, there, that's Bongani there. Um, and uh, Secret says, by now it's abundantly clear that we cannot trust the ANC crime syndicate to save South Africa. Uh, please listen to Archbishop Makhoba, the successor of uh, Desmond Tutu, who has called for the restitution of a government of national unity of the kind that established the short-lived Rainbow Republic that was betrayed by, uh, by all of Nelson Mandela's successors. That's from uh, Siegfried. All right, let's bring in now David Ansara, Executive Director at the Centre for Risk Analysis. Uh, David, thank you for your time. You've been listening in um, as well. We, we saw the markets react a bit, the rand weakening um, on, on Thursday, um, coming back up just a bit um, on Friday as well. It's, it's not just South Africans waiting with bated breath to see what will happen. The, the globe is watching to see how, how it will all unfold. What do you make of, of how it has played out and what does this uncertainty do uh, for, for the country? Morning, Stephen Zule. Yeah, so I think the world is definitely watching, and I think one of the principal pillars of Mr. Ramaphosa's presidency was this notion that he was somehow separate to some of the grubby uh, politics that had preceded him within the ANC and the, the government. He was very keen to promote this idea of the new dawn, mm. and he was given uh, quite a lot of uh, benefit of the doubt in that respect. He was, uh, but, you know, as we at the Center for Risk Analysis have been arguing uh, for many years now, this idea of Mr. Ramaphosa as a reformer, as somebody who is capable of defeating corruption within the ANC, we've always been quite skeptical of that. But now these events around Palapala raise some very serious questions about the president's integrity, uh, his uh, you know, potential legal liability that he's been exposed to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of those questions, the uh, report, Nkobo's uh, uh, report, you know, have uh, have already delved into that. I mean, uh, why was there $580,000 stored in a sofa? Um, you know, this uh, gentleman, this Sudanese businessman, um, Mr. Hazim, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was supposed to purchase 20 buffaloes uh, directly from the Palapala farm. Uh, and, uh, you know, this money was handed over. There was no invoice. There was uh, no declaration of possession of foreign currency. No VAT was paid on this amount. Uh, the And no handover the, the cattle of the were not, uh, Yeah, we, we were not collected. So, you know, I think uh, this is a, this is a, a, a mortal blow to the presidency of, of Mr. Ramaphosa. Yeah. Why are markets so sensitive, uh, David? We, we've seen in the UK, for, uh, for example, um, changes of, of, of prime ministers in a short in a short amount of time. Why are they so nervous um, and, and react in such a way at the idea of, of a change of, of leadership, especially when when there's so much uncertainty about how that might, in, in fact, play out? Well, look, uh Capital is fickle. It uh, is sensitive to to risks, 
And I think, you know, if you consider that South Africa at the moment is potentially about to face a grey listing by the Financial Action Task Force, which is a global anti-money laundering and terrorism financing watchdog, mm. you know, that sends a signal to uh, potential investors that the integrity of South Africa's criminal justice system and the rule of law is is, is weak. Um, and that suggests to a prospective investor that, you know, there's a higher risk premium uh, for South Africa, that, you know, if you're going to invest here, then you're potentially exposing yourself uh, to some of these uh, risks. So, you know, markets in many respects price in these risks. And, uh, you know, I think that, that that reaction is a reflection of how South Africa is perceived. This is seen as, as yet again an, another stress test to the strength of our democracy. Um, we've been able to withstand, I think, other threats in, in, in more recent times. Um, might we be able to do the same here? If indeed, um, by end of day tomorrow, we're referring to, to President Ramaphosa as, as former president of, of the Republic, um, might in fact we be able to withstand what, what that sort of announcement, if it does come, it has since been, been delayed. A couple of hours ago, many were sure that it will come. It's been delayed. It may not even come. But if, if, if in fact that is the eventuality, in your view, do you think that uh, uh, where, where the state is currently, we will be able to, to withstand that, that sort of change? Well, in many respects, our constitutional democracy is showing itself to be robust, right? So uh, the, the point of the checks and balances that exist in the Constitution are to hold powerful people to account. So yeah. one of the, the core principles of the rule of law is that everybody is equal before the law, whether you're uh, the president in the union buildings or uh, the person who is sweeping the floors in the union buildings or, or anybody else. Uh, we, are all, we all have to abide by the laws of the land, and these are kicking in, right? So, um, you know, Section 89 of the Constitution, Section 89.1 says that Parliament, uh, if it receives at least two-thirds of its members' support, it may remove the President from office on the mm. grounds of a serious violation of the Constitution or the law or serious misconduct, Right. So, you know, there is that provision there, but obviously the ANC, you know, holds 57% of, of parliament. That's short of two thirds. Um, but, you know, there would have to be quite a lot of, uh, you know, movement within the party to, you know, for the, the party really to swing against the president uh, if the parliamentary caucus were to, were to support that. Um, but, you know, if, if that were to happen, uh, if the president would be removed, um, then, uh, you know, that would also mean that uh, Section 52A of the Constitution would then kick in. Um, an acting president would be yeah. appointed um, and that person would hold office as a kind of an interim president for 30 days sure. uh, after this vacancy has occurred. Um, and then, you know, then Parliament will have to elect a new president. But what I think is particularly interesting here is, you know, the ANC is deeply divided at the moment. There are lots of factions and, and splits and so on. Indeed. Um, and that, that would actually potentially open up that if Parliament cannot elect a new president within 30 days, then the president 
the interim president, the acting president, I beg your pardon, would have to call a national election. And that's what the opposition is calling for. Yeah. Well, David, I am I am out of time. Let me thank you for, for your time with us uh, this morning. They will watch it all all very closely. But I think um, it's safe to say there that uh, we're not we're not lost at sea. There are processes. It's a question of whether they kick in and how and how uh, the processes are in fact handled. David Ansari, Executive Director at the Center for Risk Analysis.